If you think about like certain athletes uh, are like this, or you think about stories that you hear of former homeless people going back and helping those that are now homeless, you hear this theme of, I'm just passing on what was passed along to me. I'm just helping out because someone helped me. You do hear this story with athletes, right? They made it out of this horrible community, and then you hear the story. The documentary on TV tells you about how he or she goes back into that community because they want to see that community revitalized. They put all kinds of money into it. They build some kind of stadium. They have a community center, whatever, because what they are saying is, I want to, I want to change the community that shaped me. I want to pour into people because I was poured into in this community. I want to respond to those in need the way I was responded to when I was in need. You see this all the time. And that's a good illustration of what Jesus is communicating today in Matthew chapter 5 verse 7 in this beatitude. That the people of God, according to Jesus, those that live in the kingdom ought to be those who express mercy primarily because they are those people who have received mercy. And so it would be the appropriate response as those who have received mercy to extend mercy. So if you've got your Bibles open, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 7. I'll just read one verse Just verse 7, it says this. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. If you'll remember, we've been in this series called B for the past few weeks. This is now week four of our series. Just moving through the Beatitudes, this section in the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount of Jesus speaking to this crowd about what life is like in the kingdom of God. And he specifically lists out these things called Beatitudes that tell us these are identifying markers of citizens of the kingdom of God. What do people who live in the kingdom of God look like? What do Christians Look like? What are markers of the people of God? That's what Jesus is listing out. And why would we do that? Because if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, this is important for you. It's important for you to ask the question Do these things mark my life? If I'm claiming to follow Jesus, who is the king in the kingdom, do these things mark me? They cause you to examine your life. And if you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, you're just checking this thing out. You've just got lots of questions. You're like, ah, I'm not really sure about any of that, so what does this have to do with me? It provides this picture of the best life possible. Because there's no life like life in the kingdom of God. And as Jesus spells out these beatitudes, he identifies, not completely, but partially, what life in the kingdom of God looks like. And I hope that If you stick with us over the next few weeks, and I hope you've been with us for the last few weeks, you would see that there's no life like life in the kingdom of God, because there's no king like our king. So, as has been the structure of these things, it's it's blessed are the who, because why? Blessed are the who for this reason. So, let's start there. Who's blessed? What are the characteristics of those that live in the kingdom, according to Jesus here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7? He says, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. Maybe it's helpful for us in this moment to identify or to define what is mercy. 
Maybe you've heard the word, maybe you've been in church for a long time, and so you, you hear that word said a lot, but you're not really sure what it means. What's our good definition of mercy? Here's the definition that we're going to go with for our time together. Mercy is compassion, motivated, undeserved action toward those in misery or great need. Mercy is compassion-motivated, undeserved action toward those in misery or great need. The scriptures actually help us illustrate this, or maybe just spell out this definition a little bit better. We see in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25, Jesus is going to interact with this lawyer, and he's going to tell a parable. It says this in verse 25, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What do you read? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Pause. So this guy, whomever it is in this parable that Jesus is telling, is in a significant point of distress. He is in great need as it goes. If we're just playing this out with our definition, this guy's in trouble. He fell among robbers. Like he just happened among robbers on the road, which probably wouldn't have been uncommon on that road, but he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed. So this guy's in a bad scenario, leaving him half dead. Verse 31. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Potentially, the audience hearing this, or the lawyer that is talking with Jesus in this moment, as Jesus says, now there was a priest on the road. He must have been thinking, certainly the priest is going to stop and help this guy, but the Bible says that he passed by on the other side. Verse 32. So likewise, a Levite, certainly this guy, must stop. When he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Verse 33, but a Samaritan. So the lawyer in this moment, the crowd in this moment, is likely thinking of all the people in this parable to stop, it will not be this guy. He's a half-breed. We don't associate, Jews don't associate with Samaritans. This guy won't be the one to stop. Verse 33, but a Samaritan as he journeyed came to where he was. This is where the guy that was stripped beaten and left for dead, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Compassion motivated. He had compassion. So the Samaritan, there was 34, he went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took two denarii, and gave him, to the innkeep, gave him to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Look at this guy's answer. Listen to this guy's answer, verse 37. He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Did you catch the definition from the Good Samaritan's example? He rolls up on this guy who has just gotten robbed, beaten, stripped, and left for dead. 
The priest rolled by, the Levite rolled by, the people that we thought would stop to help this guy, they kept going. They avoided the one in need, the Samaritan. The unexpected one was moved with what the Bible says is compassion. It was compassion-motivated, undeserved action to those that are in distress or great need. This is mercy. The Good Samaritan shows us what mercy looks like. He had compassion. He felt it in him. He felt bad for the guy in that scenario. But he didn't just feel bad like, man, that really stinks for you. You should figure that out. It was compassion that motivated action. He went to him, and he bound up his wounds, and he poured on oil and wine. And he put him on his animal, and he took him to an inn, and he cared for him. Because this is what mercy does. It's motivated by compassion, but it's motivated by compassion to act. In an undeserved way to those that are in distress or in great need. The guy on the road didn't deserve this. The guy on the road didn't earn this kind of action toward him. He simply was in great need. And the Samaritan acted, motivated by compassion. This is mercy. This is what Jesus is speaking of in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, as merciful. Maybe the best example is given to us by Jesus himself. Titus speaks of this in Titus chapter 3, 3 through 7. He says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. This is, Titus says, this is how bad it was for you in your sin. You followed every foolish desire you had. You were disobedient. You led astray. You hated others and you were hated by others. It was bad. Your sin had affected everything and every part of you. That's how much sin was a part of your life. Verse 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but check this out, but according to His own mercy. By the washing of regeneration of, and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might come, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So if we didn't catch the definition of mercy, if we didn't catch the picture of what it means to be merciful from the Good Samaritan, we certainly catch it from the cross of Christ. We certainly catch it from the gospel of Jesus because this is the reality. You and I are in distress and great need because of this thing in our life called sin. And it's not just we did some bad things and it's kind of bad. We find ourselves in a similar way as the guy on the road. Our life is as if we were beaten, stripped, and left for dead because our sin has affected every part of us. And Jesus, moved by compassion, acts on our behalf. God, moved by compassion, acts on our behalf and sends his son to live the life that you and I could not live, to die the death that you and I were supposed to die, 
and raised from the dead as the victorious king, providing the way for us to be made right with God if we would believe on Jesus. And according to Titus, you get salvation when you believe, not because of anything you brought to the table, not because you tried hard enough, not because you showed up to church enough, not because you read your Bible enough, not because you stopped saying cuss words enough, merely because God displayed mercy on you. It was compassion-motivated action toward those that were in distress and great need. You see, we are people, as the people of Jesus, who have experienced mercy in the greatest way. Because the gospel of Jesus is a gospel of mercy, of God displaying compassion-motivated, undeserved action toward those in misery or distress or great need. So then, what does showing mercy look like today for the people of God? What does mercy look like for those who live in the kingdom? When Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, how do the merciful live as those in the kingdom? Well, mercy, mercy certainly looks like meeting physical needs. At some point, mercy will look like meeting physical needs. So those who are merciful meet the needs of those who need clothes, who need food, and on and on that could go. Merciful people meet physical needs because they're moved by compassion to give what they have in excess to those that don't. Not because they deserve it, but because merciful people are motivated by compassion to extend themselves to those who are in need. Merciful people meet physical needs. Merciful people also are those that meet emotional needs. They not only see the one who has physical needs, but they see the one who has emotional needs, and they're moved to compassion, and they're moved to meet the need. They see the kid that sits at the table by himself. They see the girl who walks the halls by herself. They see the kid in the school who is consistently down because of their situation at home or for, from whatever. They have their eyes up to see that and they're moved by compassion. Not just to say that really stinks for you, but to step toward it and say, I'm going to display mercy and I'm going to engage with you. I'm going to talk with you about what's going on in your life. I'm going to sit with you, but nobody else will, but I'm going to sit with you. Not because you deserve it, but I'm moved by compassion to action to those that are in need. This is what merciful people look like. And merciful people, specifically in the kingdom of God, are those that meet spiritual needs. But merciful people see people who are in sin, acting in sin. And they don't say, I can't believe you do that. That's so disgusting. God doesn't like that. No. Merciful people look upon those who are in sin. And instead of seeing their badness, they see their brokenness. Merciful people see the brokenness in people instead of the badness in people. Why? Because they were in the same place when they received mercy from God. 
So who would they be as people who had received this great mercy from God in the cross of Jesus to say, your sin is worse than mine? No, they don't. Merciful people, rather. See their brokenness instead of their badness. And moved with compassion to action, they step toward it. And they extend the gospel to people. Shame on us if we claim the name of Christ and hold the gospel back from people because we think they're too bad to get it. Merciful people step toward that kind of person and in kindness extend the best message ever, the mercy of God in Jesus. So they meet physical needs, they meet emotional needs, and they meet spiritual needs. But if you're, if you're tracking with this, you'll understand Merciful people see the needs of those around them. Merciful people have their eyes up. They see the needs. Maybe your pushback is, I don't think there are any needs around me. Merciful people see the needs. And they don't just see them and feel bad for them. They see them, feel bad for them, and they step toward them. Because that's what Christ did for them. God did not look at our helpless state and our sin and say, it really stinks for you. I wish you could figure it out. Rather, God, seeing our helpless state, sent Christ into our mess, moved by compassion, led to action, steps toward us. That's mercy. And Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. Why are those that live in the kingdom of God merciful? First thing is this. Those that are in the kingdom of God are merciful because it's the only appropriate response for those who have received God's mercy. Being merciful is the only appropriate response for those who have received God's mercy in the gospel of Jesus. So if you're claiming the name of Christ, if you're saying, yes, I'm a Christ follower, I'm a Christian, yes, I follow Jesus, what you are saying is that I have received the abundant, rich mercy of God. The only appropriate response for people who claim to receive that mercy is to extend it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 says it like this, but God being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. God extended to us salvation based on the riches of his mercy. Friends, we cannot claim the name of Christ and not be merciful. We can't. Because those who are merciful respond with mercy because it's the only response It's the only appropriate response. The second reason why those in the kingdom of God are merciful is because when they act mercifully, it provides a picture for the people that are not in the kingdom what our king is like. When the people of God, when the people that live in the kingdom of God act mercifully, they show people that aren't in the kingdom what our king is like, that our king is merciful, so we are merciful. 
when the question comes, why would you step toward me in this mess? Why would you sit with me? I don't deserve for you to sit with me. Why would you ask me how things are going and know I'm a mess? I don't deserve that. Why would you Why would you extend the gospel to me even though that my life is a wreck and you know what I do with him or her? You know what I drink or you know what I do. Why would you extend the gospel to me? Why would you give me the sh- these shoes that you never wear but I needed? Why would you do that? Because our king is merciful. Not because I'm nice, not because I'm better than you, but because there is a God who extended mercy just like this to me. And so who would I be to claim to follow that king if I didn't act like him? Those who live in the kingdom of God live mercifully because it provides a picture to those that aren't in the kingdom what our king is like. Second Corinthians 1, 3-4 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we might be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted. Mercy is part of who God is. So Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, but he also gives a reason. Here's why they are blessed. What's the result of having that characteristic? For they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. If you're tracking with this and you're thinking in your brain, okay, so blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are the merciful. For, because, they'll receive mercy. So if we give mercy, does that mean we get mercy? Kate, doesn't that seem workspace? I thought that's not how it worked. You would be right. If you walk out of here thinking, okay, so if I, if I just act mercifully, God will show me mercy. I will earn mercy from God by living mercifully. False. By definition, if it's earned, it's not mercy. Mercy is by definition undeserved. So if you think you have acted mercifully enough to deserve mercy from God, you are not receiving mercy from God. You are receiving a wage from God that you earned from him. That wouldn't be mercy. Rather, we should think about it like this. Remember, the Beatitudes are a present reality and a future promise. So as the people of the kingdom of Jesus, when we act mercifully, you know what we are promised in the kingdom to come? Mercy from Jesus. You know what we will get on judgment day when we stand before Jesus and he looks over our entire life? If we claim the name of Christ, you know what we will get? Mercy. It's a promise. But you know what evidence is that we claim the name of Christ? In that moment, when we stand before God and he, we give an account for our life, what, what is evidence that we claim the name of Jesus? That we lived mercifully. So we're not living mercifully to earn God's mercy. We're living mercifully because we have received God's mercy already. And as a result, on the day that we stand before God, we will receive more mercy. Because we've evidenced with our life, we claim Jesus. And by Jesus' performance alone, we get mercy. And as a result, we act mercifully.
Those who have received mercy will show mercy. And those who show mercy will receive it in the age to come. And if we are those people that don't show mercy, we are probably telling the world about our life that we have not received the mercy of God. So then, as we've ended with the last few, let's ask a couple of questions. Is merciful a word that describes your life? Is merciful a word that describes you? When you see a need around you, whether physically, spiritually, emotionally, are you moved by compassion to act? If not, why not? Potentially, it's because you've got unrepentant sin in your life. You're chasing something you shouldn't chase. You're pursuing something you shouldn't pursue. There's something in you that you're focused on that you ought not be focused on. So, so then the action is repent and turn back. Or maybe when you think about compassion, motivated action toward those that are in misery or in great need, you're like, man, that does not describe me at all. Maybe it's not because you don't have, it's not because you have unrepentant sin in your life. Maybe it's because you don't live in the kingdom at all. So then, Kate, are you saying that if I've seen somebody in need and wasn't moved to act, if I just missed one person, does that mean I'm in sin or not a Christian? I don't know. But you should ask yourself, when I see those in need, am I ever moved to act? If you are never moved with compassion to act, then mercy is not something that describes your life. And then you need to ask yourself another question, do I actually live in the kingdom of Jesus? Because those that live in the kingdom of Jesus are marked by mercy. Because we've received mercy, so we act in mercy. So why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe over the next few minutes, you just need to spend some time examining your life, saying, is this, is this what describes me? And if it doesn't, is there sin that I need to repent of? Then you can do so. You can confess it to a friend that's with you. You can confess it to a leader that's in the back. That's completely appropriate. It's called bringing your sin in the light, and, and, and in the light is where your sin, your sin dies. It's good to confess Or maybe you're in here and you're identifying, you know what, I don't think that I live in the kingdom. Okay, over the past few weeks as you've been talking, as we've been rolling through the Beatitudes, none of these things actually describe me. And if that's what people that live in the kingdom look like, I'm not sure that I live in the kingdom. And I want to know how to do that. Then you go grab the friend that brought you or a leader in the back and you ask them, can you help me understand what it means to follow Jesus? Because Kate just talked about the mercy of God. And that's, I, I want that. Not so I can just be nicer, but so that I can be saved and transformed. When we stand up, you respond in that way. And if you're in neither of those categories, I hope that the truth of hearing that God has extended mercy to you would only cause you to explode in worship.
because our God has had compassion on us and has moved to action in the giving of his son. There's no better message than that.